0: Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, I'm Luke O'Neill and welcome to my show, Meet the Science podcast. Well, science never sleeps and this week uh, I saw two really interesting papers and discoveries about something a long, long way from Earth. It's the moon Enceladus, and this moon goes around Saturn, and you may have heard of it. It's one of the more famous moons, I guess. And it's in the news yet again. They might wonder, how the hell can we know stuff about Enceladus, because it's so far away. Well, of course, astronomers keep an eye on it the whole time. And then there have been two missions to Enceladus. We've sent little spaceships up there, robotically operated spaceships, the Voyager missions. We have liftoff of the Titan Centaur carrying the first of two Voyager spacecraft to extend man's senses farther into the solar system than ever before. Reports coming back. And then Cassini reveal loads of stuff and they're still looking at that data and analysing it in various ways but the latest breakthrough is is actually mainly down to very clever astronomy and I'm going to tell you all about it. Now why is Enceladus interesting? If you're like me I bet you often wonder, is there life out there? Like did life exist only on Earth and nowhere else? Uh, And Enceladus has a chance that maybe there's life on Enceladus Now, this sounds a bit unlikely, of course it does, but the evidence grows that if we want to look for life in the solar system we could find it on this moon, going around Saturn and the latest sort of findings, especially one of them, which I'll come to at the end, suggests there may well be life on Enceladus. Now, there's no evidence. It's a bit indirect and a bit circumstantial, but it's got people all excited and it's justifying further missions and NASA and the European Space Agency are sending more robotic spacecraft to Enceladus to try to find out is there life up there. Now, what is it? It's the sixth largest moon going around Saturn. And it was discovered in 1789 by a famous astronomer called William Herschel and his sister, Caroline Herschel. They worked very closely together. Caroline, in fact, is as famous an astronomer as her brother. uh, And they both kind of saw it. William claims to have seen it first, but they both studied it very closely. 1789, it's a long time ago. And at that time, when it was seen, of course, people were quite surprised. How could there be other moons? was the question. You know, every time, you know, we make a scientific discovery about astronomy or our position in the cosmos, we get less and less significant. And this will happen when we find life somewhere else as well, I suspect. But when they saw a moon going around a planet, they realised our moon wasn't that unique. It's a bit like these exoplanets they keep finding, you now in distant stars, like Earth-like planets going around other stars. And of course, all of that adds to, you know, our wonder about the cosmos, but also points to us not being that special after all, really. So it was first seen by Herschel... Uh, And then he noticed early on It's a very, very bright moon And we now know why It's covered in ice And a great phrase here is It's covered in fresh, clean ice I saw I was looking up some some notes on this uh, last night Isn't that a great phrase? So it's covered in ice Water ice It's an icy moon And the surface temperature Again they can do this using Spectroscopy and various things But certainly the probes that went there Could get a better estimate of the temperature It's minus 198 degrees centigrade Very, very cold That's extremely cold So it's a very, very cold place Covered in water ice And that was was realised a long time ago And that was about the size of it for a long time uh, Until eventually the Voyager 1 and 2 missions which, if you're old like me, you might remember 1980-81, the Voyager went up there, had a look and took some measurements and began to confirm various things about uh, Enceladus. And one thing that Voyager saw that struck the imagination massively was it sets up these big plumes. So it's squirting stuff into space. And that was noticed as well, like how can a moon be sending regular plumes up into space? And these were shown to be rich in water. And of course that got the imagination. Because remember, water is the ultimate solvent for all of life. It's the ideal solvent for life. And of course we are a water-based life form here on Earth. There could be other solvents out there somewhere in the cosmos, but if there is life it'll most likely be in water. Because water has the right properties for biochemicals to react and form a cell say, whatever it might be. So so the fact they found these rich plumes, they were called, full of water. It seemed to be steamy plumes were shooting up from Enceladus. And then next thing, of course, Cassini does some measurements. And the these salty, uh, these plumes were salty. So, it's salty ice plumes were being shot into space from Ancellus. And that got their imagination. So, it wasn't just like regular water, if you like. It was salty water. And remember, the sea is salty. And life began in the oceans. Uh, our blood is very salty. So, a salty water solution is a good thing for life as well. So, again, that kind of ticked a box as to what might be interesting about these plumes. And then there's some measurements which got me. It sends 200 kilograms of this stuff, this salt basically every second into space so it's spewing this stuff out the whole time and then what happens to it well it spews up into space and then loads falls back down onto of this, in the form of snow so there's a constant snowstorm up there which again strikes me as a very beautiful thing to see and again Cassini captured some of this which was remarkable but secondly and get ready for this some of the rings of Saturn are made from this ice now of course Saturn's famous for having all these rings As we all know, the E-ring, there's a particular letter on these different rings, that seems to be made from the stuff that's being spewed out by Enceladus. Isn't that wonderful in a way? So you can imagine, Enceladus is spewing up this water ice the whole time in the form of these plumes. Most of it falls back down in the form of snow and then a lot of it goes into these E-rings and and that's one of the reasons for the rings around Saturn. It's got its own little moon spewing up this stuff to form these rings, you see. So it's crazy. And then of course the, the, the Cassini mission, and again astronomy he was also trying to find out where is this stuff coming from. Now, uh, th- this is one of the breakthroughs in the last week or so, actually, I've, I've come across. They thought it was an under-ice ocean of liquid water. So in other words, it isn't all ice. If you dig down deep enough, eventually you get liquid water because it is a bit warm down to the core of Enceladus, possibly. It could be a pressure, but certainly they, they reckon there's some subsurface liquid water there. And again, that excites them because there could be life in that water. Life can't live in ice, obviously. It's too cold, isn't it? But if it's liquid, that, that gives the chance of, of a living system in the liquid water. And its subsurface liquid water was thought to be the source of these plumes. So you can imagine, it's covered in ice, but there is some water down beneath the surface, and then this water bubbles up. Now again, what they, they also were able to measure was things called cryovol. Volcanoes, So the volcanoes are, are, are melting the ice at one level and then allowing the, the sort of plumes, a bit like little water volcanoes, are spewing up And the term cryovolcano because it's icy volcanoes is used for this. And that was detected as well. So in other words, little volcanoes are melting the ice, I guess is the way to think of it. It's in this little ocean and then it's heating it up and then shooting it up in jets up into space. And remember, it's salty. And that becomes important in a few minutes. Now, once they realised there were these cryo Uh, volcanoes that inspired scientists to say are they hydrothermal vents now anybody interested in the origin of life on earth and hopefully someone listening today is like I am uh, hydrothermal vents on earth are where we think life started they're on the ocean floor they're hot vents basically, heat coming up from the Earth's core, uh, the water is warming up very nicely and boiling even, and hence the word hydrothermal, and these were ideal places, people who work on the origin of life think, uh, maybe where life started. You need a bit of heat you see to get life going for the catalysis, you need certain chemicals to be bubbling away, and then they eventually might form things like RNA and DNA from simple chemistry in a way, well not simple, it's complicated, but certainly these biochemicals could be forming in these hydrothermal vents, and that's one good guess for how life began on Earth. Lo and behold, Enceladus has hydrothermal vents, they think. Boiling up the water and sending out these plumes into space, and, and and that's why we think Enceladus might be the place to look for life. Now, the only thing to say is, by the way, it goes round Saturn every thirty two point nine hours. So, like our own our own moon going round, of course, in twenty four hours, it's constantly going round and round Saturn, spewing up these plumes, and then these plumes then are falling back down as snow and forming the rings of Saturn. Now, the next bit, are you ready for this? Because it gets more exciting. I'm getting quite beside myself now because I love this story, Cassini. And also from Earth detected extra stuff in the plumes. They didn't find little green men now or women, or creatures, let's point that out. But they did see methane, acetylene, and formaldehyde. Now, these are very interesting building blocks because they can go on to form complex biochemicals, for example, nucleotides that are in DNA. You can start with those building blocks to make nucleotides, wouldn't that be incredible? And then most importantly, they found molecular hydrogen, or free hydrogen. And that was about three years ago when they detected that. Now, why is that important? That's a great source of energy. And of course, you need energy life as well. And energy can happen in all kinds of ways, in the sun obviously, but here we have in these vents, in these plumes, free hydrogen, a source of energy and building blocks to use the energy to make biochemicals was the idea. And when that was discovered about three years ago, a spokeswoman in Nassau said Genesis might have happened twice. That's how confident she was. She said Genesis, of course, is our origin story for Western civilization. We have the book of Genesis, don't we? Um, But there could have been a second. You know, life might have started on Enceladus using the free hydrogen and these various complex biochemicals. And when they saw methane, they got really excited because on Earth, very, very primitive bacteria descended from what I call bacteria. that probably arose at the origin of life. They're called bacteria. They're still there. You can still detect them in various places on Earth. Lots of those use free hydrogen and they make methane and they're called methanogenic bacteria. So now that's a type of bacteria on Earth, all the bits are there on Enceladus to suggest there could be methanogenic bacteria on Enceladus. Isn't that incredible? So again, they haven't detected them yet, but that would would be a living system detected on Enceladus. Now, is any of this going to turn out to be true? Now remember, the, the science is always about drawing up a hypothesis. You have an idea, you get evidence, and finally the evidence is overwhelming. All this evidence is circumstantial. They haven't seen a living system yet on Enceladus like bacteria so it's still a bit hypothetical but certainly all the evidence is pointing in that direction now remember sometimes you have loads of evidence and you don't get to the bottom line and it's a bit like a crime scene and you, you arrest the wrong person um, but certainly enough evidence is there to, to support this now the missions are going up there one is called Life Investigation for Enceladus the initials you won't laugh L-I-F-E life great name for a mission isn't it and that's going to actively search for bacteria now and signs of life up there and it's really really important because that mission is about to be launched and all these discoveries are supporting the notion of going back there obviously NASA needs funding and these missions need to be justified all this evidence would say yes you might find more evidence of life if you send that mission up there now the two breakthroughs though Uh, the first one is uh, now again how they managed to do this I don't know and uh, and any one of listening in might tell me but the water vapour may not be from a liquid ocean underneath the ice it could be from watery mush, is the phrase they've used. So they think now within the ice itself, there's these mushy bits, if you like. them, heated up by the hydrothermal vents, and that's the source of the plumes. So it may not be an ocean. In, in their minds, they thought there was a, a liquid ocean beneath the ice, but it could be watery mush instead. I and mean, it still doesn't matter, it's still, it's still a good source of these plumes. Uh, but that's where this, this, uh, this stuff might be coming from. And then, more importantly than that though, a scientist by the name of Ruth Sophie Taubner, she's in the University of Vienna, just published a really exciting paper which I came across. And this is mind-blowing in my opinion, because what she did was, she created on Earth the conditions in these plumes. So she got the gases that are there, the free hydrogen, So you got some carbon dioxide and you got some methane. She applied uh, temperature like a hydrothermal vent situation. The right temperature and pressure and chemical composition was created in her lab in Vienna, right? So in other words, she managed to recreate what it's what it's like in those plumes that are shooting up. And guess what she did? She put a methanogenic bacteria from Earth into that stuff. And guess what? It grew. Now again, to me, this is great science. So here we have evidence that if there was a bacteria up there, it could grow in that stuff. So in other words, she got a methanogenic bacteria from Earth that, that, that can handle the hydrogen and the methane and so on, and it grew quite well. In the conditions on Enceladus. And that gives us even more confidence that there could be life on Enceladus. Now, again, it's circumstantial, but still isn't that a great experiment? So, in other words, you can theorise and say, look, those chemicals are there. The hydrogen is there. The water is there. The heat is there. Life might be in that mix, and that's a reasonable assumption. But it turns out that if there was a bacteria, it could grow there quite easily, you know. So, therefore, that gives us more confidence that maybe... Maybe over millions and millions of years Life evolved on Enceladus In a form that doesn't look that different to life Here now it's not the case of a human being up there Is it? It's bacteria but that's still life they can still replicate they can divide It can live like any other living creature bacteria are as, as alive as you and I are all we have are more types of cells in our body all we do is all, the, all that we have is those cells are dividing in us so bacteria divides just like us defies entropy copies its nucleic acids that's what life is so you never know they may well find life on Enceladus and the next mission when examined close to several missions life is just one of them will we finally have proof that Earth isn't the only place in the solar system where life evolved, and I suspect that may well be the case and I hope it is because yet again it shows you're not that important, remember. (laughs) Ha ha. Make the most of things because you might as well because there may well be life out there on Enceladus. So there you have it. The Science of Enceladus. Thanks for listening. And of course, my podcast is available for download every Thursday and it is a News Talk production produced very ably by the world's number one podcast producer, Owen Brennan. Let's give Owen a shout out. (laughs) Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.